What's Better Today and welcome to the Leadership Advantage podcast by Dr. John Kenworthy. The Leadership Advantage isn't some magic pill or silver bullet to instant success as a leader, but I'm sharing the art and neuroscience of hacking expert leadership to unstuck your potential in life and work. How to motivate anyone and get people to do the things that matter. My hands clammy, my shirt beginning to soak with perspiration in the air-conditioned room. I walked to the front of the meeting room, past my muttering colleagues, and got blinded momentarily by the projector. I faced my audience their faces raptly attentive as they waited for the first words to come. The purpose of this Advantage Guide is where we hack the neuropsychology of influence to uncover the chemistry and the maths used by our critter and executive brains respectively. And we're going to learn how to leverage and use this understanding to yield the fruit of motivating people to do the things that matter. You'll be a better influencer and thus a better leader. How will we do this? Well, first you will get your own edge by listening or reading to the guide and then ponder privately or with your buddy coach on the empowering questions at the end of the guide. Second, buddy up. Take this guide further by buddying up with someone. Use this as a mentoring tool that takes all the guesswork and myths out of a leadership development conversation. And the payoff? Well, you're going to grow as a leader and influencer. They'll grow as a leader and together you'll achieve better results. If you're in sales, you'll sell more, more easily. If you're in tech or engineering, you'll get the support you need from colleagues and motivate those marketing and finance types to collaborate. This was one of my most important performances ever, and I was about to go down in flames. I noticed my boss as he glanced at his watch. A phone buzzed in silent mode on the table and all eyes were drawn to it. Someone muttered an apology as he picked up the errant phone and read the message. I'd spent weeks preparing for this meeting. We were about to introduce a new computer system across the entire business and everyone in the room would be affected. The only problem was that nobody wanted the new system. If only they would realise how beneficial it was going to be. I stumbled through my slides, gave them all the facts in laborious detail outlined the plan. Still, nobody wanted the new system. I had failed to influence my colleagues to support the project. So why had my long prepared presentation failed to achieve the intended result? When we link the required resources to the goal through a personal benefit, the fruit is motivation to change. That is, we influence the person to change. The answer, well, that lies in the triangle 
of influence. And on the show notes, you'll find a diagram to help you understand this triangle. It's very important to remember we are influenced emotionally in our critter brain first. And this has a lot to do with brain chemistry. Aristotle called this pathos. Once we're influenced emotionally, then we are influenced rationally in our executive brain, which essentially relies on maths. Aristotle again referred to this as logos. When we are influenced to do something, we connect three things inside the brain. The goal or command intent we will achieve. The resources, your talents, skills, time, money that achieving the goal costs and thirdly, the personal benefits, fulfilling your purpose and values that we get out of achieving the goal. Let's start looking inside your critter brain and the chemistry of motivation and influence. Any perception of cost in using my talents, my skills, my money or my time triggers a fear response. I might get protective, that's I fight it. I might pretend I don't hear it, I freeze. Or stop hearing anything else, I flee, I run away. In large part it triggers the production of norepinephrine, better known normally as adrenaline. This is not good news for motivation. But that doesn't mean that you can or should avoid being open about the cost of doing something. If you don't tell me, it's highly probable that my emotional memory will tag on a previous memory of cost and that memory might be worse than this new situation. When you talk of achieving goals, That gets me into achievement mode, largely serotonin, which is associated with pride. Also some testosterone, which can help me feel determined and stronger. When I perceive that I am getting a real benefit that is valuable to me personally, that's a happy thing and I get a dopamine buzz. Too much cost? I've probably shut down anyway. Too little achieving, and I'm a little anxious. Too little genuine personal benefit. Well, sure I'd like it, but isn't the cost a little high? Now, while chemistry is doing its work on my mood and my feelings toward your suggestion, my executive brain wants to jump in with a little logic. So we're going to move from the critter brain, the midbrain, to the executive brain. The executive brain and the logic of motivation and influence. When I believe that I gain more value in the benefit than the cost, then I will be motivated to act on achieving the goal. But if we believe that the cost outweighs the benefit, we are not motivated to act. Or at least we like to think that the executive brain is in charge. 
neuroscience research is pointing us to understand that the critter brain, our emotional centre, has already made the decision. And our executive brain merely gets to rubber stamp its choice. If I feel strongly in favour of doing something, then I am likely to find reasons for agreeing with myself. I am biased. And so are you, by the way. We seek arguments that support our predetermined emotional decision. In psychology, this is called the confirmation bias. Now, it is possible to overturn your emotional decisions, but you need to be mindful and strong-willed. We call it being objective or being reasonable. That is, we put reason to work. When we are influencing someone, it's quickest and best to get the chemistry right first. You're talking to their critter brain. The math will follow. I mean, have you ever wondered why advertising is so powerful? Effective advertising speaks to the critter brain first. Why do you, or your preferred politicians, win you over? They talk to your critter brain first. So now we have the chemistry first and the math or the logic of influence second. Everyone has influence. We all have the power to affect another person. The very definition of influence. But do you have the necessary power to affect the people you need to influence? When I was presenting to my colleagues in an attempt to influence them to support my project, I neglected a few critical points. In particular, they were already biased against the project. They had an emotional attachment to not do it. And I didn't do enough to allay their fears of the extra costs in their concerns of being able to use the new system. So they wouldn't log in. Nor in the changes it would make to entrenched working practices. Secondly, the objective of the project was not as clear for them as it needed to be nor was it as a result that would make them feel proud. Thirdly, I focused on saving monetary costs for the company and neglected the cost in them feeling competent and capable of working in this new way. I focused on what the organisation had it as a benefit, not for them personally, so they could not see any real personal benefit. It's hardly surprising then that they weren't actually motivated to action. I take heart that I'm not alone in such an endeavour. How many new projects have you witnessed fail in your working lifetime? People are influenced to act or to change when they feel that it is the right choice to make and then they justify that decision with reason and logic. It is critical that we realise that people are influenced when they make the link. They are influenced to act, that is, they are motivated, when personal benefits are greater than personal costs. 
And remember, they too are biased and their bias is not necessarily the same as yours. Surely, you say, John, it can't be this simple. It's a bit of chemistry. Well, it can. But importantly, simple does not mean easy. If we wish to influence another person to undertake a particular action, to be certain that we motivate them to action, we need to know what they perceive to be the personal benefits and what value they place on those benefits. What they perceive to be the costs to them and the value that they place on those costs. And bear in mind that even if we are to know this today, by tomorrow these may have changed. So we apply our own perception of what we think are the benefits and costs for the other person. The greater our empathy, the more likely we are to understand the other person well enough to influence them easily. So how do you do this? Well, there's a couple of ways you can do this straight away. Firstly, take a child's perspective. As you approach the checkout in the supermarket, little Johnny grabs a fistful of chocolate. His goal is to eat chocolate. The benefits, pleasure, sugar bus, flavour, cost, zero. Now, as a parent, you know that the cost is considerably higher, certainly in terms of cash, but also there are future long-term implications, such as weight gain, diabetes, a sense of entitlement that pleasure doesn't have to be paid for. As a parent, you want to take the chocolate back off Johnny. At which point, little Johnny increases the cost to the parent of doing so. Crying, screaming and being generally badly behaved. Why? Because such behaviour has worked in the past. The cost to the parent could be that of feeling shame. We've all felt the eyes of those behind us in the queue. We can all feel their disapproval of our parenting. There's those who think we should simply give in and get out of the way and those who think you are such a terrible parent for such in having a ill-disciplined child. Well, who influences whom? Well, that depends on the perception of the value of each of the associated costs. Either way, children learn the secret power they possess and which buttons to press to get what they want. As we grow older and wiser, most of us lose this natural ability to get our own way. It's no longer seemly to lose one's temper, even if it still works. A child's toolkit is limited and plays on your emotions. So if you want to take a child's perspective, it will work emotionally to increase cost especially. The second way is to take a politician's perspective. It's also the advertiser's perspective, so it's not all bad. While some notable politicians appear to assume a child's perspective, truly successful politicians are very adept at influencing people emotionally and rationally. And please do note that successful does not necessarily mean good. 
and I'm not endorsing any party or approach. Particularly in recent years where the most successful have learnt from advertising, TV and social media. Remember, look beyond the politics itself here and focus on the tools and techniques the successful ones use effectively. In short, politicians and advertisers alike most often use four universal appeals. Number one, they encourage your dreams and or they allay your fears and or number three, they justify your failings and or number four, they help you throw rocks at a common enemy. In other words, they promise to help you get what you want, promise it won't hurt you or cost you more than you can afford, whilst letting you know that it's not your fault that you previously chose their competitor because everyone else got fooled too. And they'll often create a new enemy for everyone to focus their dislike toward and thus generate a sense of unity or social proof that you are not alone. For advertisers, think cars shampoo, new financial products, and dental plaque, respectively. These are emotional persuaders. Who cares about numbers, logic, or proof once you've been emotionally hijacked? The principles of influence, though, remain the same. You can take a child or a politician's or advertising perspective and influence others. The art and neuroscience of how you influence to motivate someone to do something hasn't changed in more than 2,000 years since the days of Aristotle. If I ask you to do something, you'll want to know the cost for you and what's in it for you. That is, you will rationalise the choice. Only when the benefits for you outweigh your costs Will you be motivated to act? Unless I've hit you hard enough with an emotional persuader. When you influence much more easily with emotional appeals first, the logical argument might not even matter. However, I can also influence you by manipulating your perception, or I could force or coerce you to do something. When does influence cross the line? Are the four universal appeals a legitimate tool of influence and motivation, or have we crossed the line into manipulation? So here's an action step for you. You will want to motivate someone today or tomorrow. Perhaps your kids to study, your partner to help out, your staff to take on more responsibility, whatever. Consider what is the most powerful emotional appeal you can make to them? Can you be encouraging their dreams, allaying their fears, justifying their failures, or do you need to identify a common enemy? Perhaps you've tried them all and nothing works. Well, can you increase the cost of non-compliance and learn from your toddler self? Get a notebook, write it down now alongside their name. What's the emotional appeal you could make to them? Add any and all your logical support to the note. Now, 
Go motivate them to do the things that matter. And do let me know how well you get on. episode and we'll share some highlights with the people you care about most. My team and I are working on a series of exciting new projects in this art and neuroscience of hacking expert leadership to unstuck your true potential in life and work. To learn more, visit leadershipadvantage.com or just search for Dr. John Kenworthy and connect with me.